On today's Question of Faith, what if you don't get anything out of Mass? Hey everybody, this is Question of Faith. I am Mike Hayes. I'm the Director of Young Adult Ministry in the Diocese of Cleveland. And I'm Father Damian Ferentz, a Vicar for Evangelization. And I am Emily Allen, Director of Archives for Woo-hoo. the Diocese of Cleveland. Emily's back. Yay! Emily's back. She warned us that she has not COVID, but she has a little bit of a cough, so... If she coughs, just forgive her, because that's what we plan to do, too. Not I'm, shame her, but forgive her. I'm hiding Thanks. behind the computer screen and using that as a shield here, just in case. Mm. <laughs> at this point, it can't be contagious, because I've been sick for weeks now. It's just lingering at that's this true. point. So You were kind of sick on our retreat, weren't you, if I remember right? A little bit. Yeah, it may or may not have been because we went camping the weekend before, right. and it was below freezing overnight. Yeah, that would that would do it. <laughs> that'll 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 take care of that. <laughs> Thanks for your hard work on our retreat, by the way. My pleasure. It yeah, was a it good was, time. It was a good time. Yeah. If you missed it, you should come on the next one, whenever yeah. the next one is. Yeah. Is one going to be in spring or no? You know we're yet? we're we're having a meeting about that. Okay. But I think I think so. Probably in the February month is what oh, we're thinking. Oh, cool. That's so, not spring. That's that's, that's winter. winter. Good time yeah. to retreat, though. Yeah. Exactly. But anyway, speaking of good times. Well, what if I don't get anything out of Mass, someone said. What do we respond when people say that to us, or have, have we ever said it is the next question. <laughs> it's a it's a common question or yeah. a common pronouncement that I don't get anything out of Mass, that's why I don't go. What, do you, what are your thoughts, Emily? You know, my gut reaction to this question was, me too, join the club. And I say that for mm. two reasons. Um, obviously, I went for the shock factor here, right? Because, you know, you're asking me this question, and you're not expecting me to say, yeah, I don't get anything either. Um, But I think it's important from a vulnerability standpoint, you know, for us to admit that, like, sometimes we go to mass, and we don't get anything out of it either. Um, And, you know, it happens, especially, you know, I I go to mass on an almost daily basis. Um, You know, there's some days where I'm just not, like, completely mentally prepared Mm. to, like, listen to the gospel or, like, listen to a homily or there's, you know, all kinds of other factors in the way. Um, And I think, you know, kind of, like, being vulnerable and letting people know, like, hey, I struggle with this too, but this was something that worked for me. Mm. It goes a long way. Yeah. It's like anything else, right? I mean, work isn't a rip-roar in good time every single day that you go to work. Marriage isn't a rip-roar in good time every single day that you're married, you know? I mean, your priesthood probably is, you know, has True. its moments, right? You know? Grass is brown on both sides. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. always, wherever you are, there's going to be suffering and hard times, yeah, and joys. Yeah. I thought I would go this way with it. It's slightly snotty and... and I said, well, well, what are you putting into it was mm. going to be my next question. You know, have, have, mm. have you come to Mass willing to give yourself, uh, you know, fully to, to what's going on? Um, a, a couple times when I've said that people have mistranslated that, that answer and thought that I meant, what are you putting in the collection? Oh. Right? Yeah. And so I watch it. I say, I, say no, when I usually preface it and say, I'm not talking about the amount of money you put in the collection here. I said, what I'm talking about is what, what are you giving – of yourself when you're at mass. Mm-hmm. I said, because this is not just about what's, you know, it's, it's about all of us. It's not just about one person or about 10 people or, you know, the lectors, the Eucharistic ministers, the choir, et cetera, et cetera. It's about all of us. Yeah. Mike, I did something similar and that was following our Lord's lead. You f- answer a question with a question. Mm-hmm. So, uh, w- w- I don't get anything out of mass. What do I do if I don't get anything out of mass? 
I think my question is, what were you expecting? Mm. So what did you want? What was, what was the desire you had when you went? And then maybe we can get somewhere. Because I do think that some of our brothers and sisters and other Christian denominations who don't celebrate liturgy but go to church and worship, mm. worship is much more of a spectator sport. So you can, at some places, you could bring your coffee in, and sometimes it's stadium seating, and that you have a band that's very entertaining, a preacher who's very engaging. So the job of the congregant is to sit back and take something away, like you would going to a basketball game or a concert, where liturgy uh, is work. And it's God's work in his people, but it's the work of God's people too. So coming in, and as Emily said, you know, if we're not ready to receive what's given, then oftentimes we don't, even though the word of the Lord is proclaimed at every mass and his word is living and effective. And he comes to us in the sacrament of the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, divinity. So a lot of it is preparation and knowing what it is that is there to receive and and what that looks like. Um, And it may not be an emotional Mm. get. It may be a deeply spiritual um, reception that maybe you don't feel much of it. But the fact that you were there, something did happen. And it's not instantaneous the way that so many of our other things in life are. Yeah. When I had said, I said that for two reasons, that was going to be the second reason was I think a lot of times people expect to get like this emotional high every time you go to mass. And it's just, that doesn't happen all the time. I mean, you figure Mother Teresa was in spiritual darkness for 40 years. She didn't get anything like, you know, quote unquote, didn't get anything out of mass, like didn't get a spiritual high from that, not from prayer, didn't feel the presence of the Lord. And yet she was able to enter in more deeply and grow closer to the Lord through that time. Um, And so I think for a lot of what has helped me is kind of understanding what is happening during the mass so that I know how to offer my prayers at that particular moment or like what the symbolism of all of this is. And that helps me on the days when mass just like does nothing for me emotionally, which happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I find it easier to enter in when I, when, when I'm sort of, when I have a role, right. And that's true for me in anything when I think about it, you know, I, I I always say like uh, things that like the algae on tap, I tell Coral Pais who helps us run that. So give me a job to do. Because I'm not necessarily good at just walking up to people and, and saying, hey, how are you? I'm Mike Hayes, you know, the, all those kinds of things. But if I have a job, you know, if I have to take tickets or if I have to, you know, go work with someone on something or move some tables with somebody or whatever, that that's something I can do and it helps me interact. It's very male, right, Father? I think, yeah, you know? yeah, guys define themselves by what they do. Yeah, I think yeah. that's true. Yeah. Well, I, I think, too, you know, when the Second Vatican Council called us to full conscious active participation, the idea is that, Everybody who's at Mass has something to do, and that is being attentive to the prayers. Like mm-hmm. at the beginning of Mass, before the collect is prayed, there's supposed to be time of silence where we're locking in and uniting our prayers with the prayers of the priest who's leading that collect prayer. Or during the readings, um, I know there's debates on whether we should have the hymnals there so you could read or you should just listen, but some people are um, 
visual learners. Yeah. So I think whatever works for you. I'm that way, yeah. But, Sensing rather than uh, being intuitive about yeah. it. Yeah, but locking into the readings, paying attention during the homily, even the petitions, all, it's a lot of work. And at the end of Mass, we ought to be a little bit tired if we did it right. I know, you know, two or three Masses a weekend for me, I'm... I'm pretty tired at the end of the week on the presider's side of things. but um, And even entering into the silence, that's being fully, consciously, actively participating. You know, after the homily or maybe after receiving communion and just entering in and allowing the Lord to enter into you, that takes work. Yeah. And, and I think, too, like there's – there's a piece here, and I think I said this last week, you know, there, there, there's a critical piece here too, right? Like sometimes liturgy just isn't performed well, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term, you know? Well, do you say anything about that, you know? And, and what's your responsibility in trying to make that better, mm-hmm. you know? Um, um, okay, I can't think of his first name right now. Patrick, Patrick Lencioni um, has written a number of books about these things. He talks about being in his church saying, and there was this little old lady banging on the piano keyboards that was just driving everybody away. He was like, Father, you got to do something about this. Mm. You know, he goes, and you have to teach us how to pray. Most of us don't know how to pray. He goes, could, could, could you do that? And it changed the parish. Mm. I mean, you know, he just he was like, look, I have a big mouth. That's the bottom line. You know, mm. <laughs> he said, but I, I, I felt it affecting people. I yeah. think during this Eucharistic revival, and you know yeah. this because you're on the Eucharistic revival team, one of the things we're hoping – is that Bishop Woost, who is a auxiliary bishop but also a liturgist and has taught liturgy for 22 years, could, during the uh, parish phase, be going out to parishes and be doing three-night revivals explaining the Mass. Maybe the first night mm. on the introductory rites and the Liturgy of the Word, the second night on the Liturgy of the Eucharist and the concluding rites, and then on the third night, celebrate Mass with Great music and with yeah. great welcoming and even a, a daily mass is fine. Um, but but show what it could be after some catechesis and evangelization and formation. I think that would be helpful because I, I, I think there's a lot of people who don't know what they're supposed to be doing yeah, or right. what even what they expect. Like I wanted more than I got, but I don't even know what to ask for or desire here. The game changer for me when it came to praying the mass um, was – Back in, it was before COVID. I was still living in Pittsburgh back in 2018. Um, the young adult group at the cathedral in Pittsburgh did like, I think it was every other week. Um, we would come together and we would watch Bishop Barron's series on the mass. Um, and if, you know, if you have access to that, it was, that was the game changer for me. It changed the way I prayed the mass. I learned so many new things. Um, from watching this video series of Bishop Barron explaining, like, okay, this is what the liturgy of the word is. And, like, you know, when you offer up the gifts, that's the part where you're supposed to offer up your prayers to the Mm -hmm. Lord. And um, this is why this is important and why you don't want to leave this out. And it just, it really did just transform the way I prayed the Mass. When I was 17 years old, going into my senior year of high school, one of my good buddies was a classmate. I played baseball with him. He started He started entering into dialogue with his older brother, who was part of something called Campus Crusade for Christ mm-hmm. up at Bowling Green State University. It's a non-denominational campus ministry. And my buddy really started getting into his own faith, reading the Bible, 
having a personal relationship with the Lord. And he was raised Catholic, but he, for some reason, that never clicked with him. And we started entering into dialogue, and I was interested in the things he was saying. He was also asking me about why I believe what I believe about the Pope, the sacraments, Mary, um, the Eucharist in particular, saints, all these things. So I started doing some research on my own, and I asked my high school chaplain, Father Krisner, I said, hey, Father, could I go to his church just to check it out? He goes, no, 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 you're not ready for that yet. I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? And he gave me a series of cassette tapes by Scott Hahn, mm. and it was it was on the Eucharist and the Passover. And although I had Catholic education my whole life, I, you know, Catholic education in the 80s was was heavy on the heart, but not as much on the head. And this was the first time in my life that it was explained to me the whole Passover, and then Jesus was the Passover lamb and the blood of the new covenant. And I remember being in my basement on Thornton Drive in Parma, Ohio, listening to these cassettes on my stereo that I listened to Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Smashing Pumpkins on. And I took out a notebook and was taking notes because something was hitting me intellectually, and I was starting to understand the Mass and the Eucharist in a way that I never had before. So like you, it was barren, but here it was these Scott Hahn cassette tapes on the fourth cup. And he was a, a former Protestant and came to understand the Eucharist through his study of the Bible and, and going to Mass. So that changed it for me. Now that was 17 years old. I'm 46 now. And I, I conti- reading helps me a lot, even video sometimes too, but um, continuing formation because you never solve the mystery of the Eucharist or what's going on there. There's always like a new angle to get in on it. Yeah. The, the book that we're reading in class right now, or one of the books that we're reading in class, is, by the way, the Emily Cough count is up to four. Uh, <laughs> if, if, if you've got eight in the pool, you know, you're, you're doing okay. Um, stand by. See, now I'll make her laugh, which will make her cough more. Um, but yeah. one of the books that we're reading for class right now is um, Kevin Irwin's uh, 101 Questions About the Mass, which I find really good, and that's I've learned cool. a whole bunch of things in there. CUA guy. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. And um, we used to have him on uh, at Busted Halo on the show all the time on the, on the radio show but because um, he taught Father Dwyer at, at CUA. Oh, okay. Um, but I think for me, there, there's that, like asking like the few unknown questions that are going on. Like one of the things I learned this this past week was this is from I think Bill Deitwig's um, book actually, The Deacon at Mass. The general instructions, you know, the the prayer of the faithful, they're not supposed to be for a specific cause. They're general instructions. And Bill Deacon Bill goes you know a little bit further, and he says you now e- even to the point of. Uh, this mass is offered for. He said, mm-hmm. you shouldn't do that during the prayer of the faithful. And I, and I was like, wow, I don't know any parish that doesn't do that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Usually, except mine. You, you can know. get away with it if you say, you know, for, for the repose of the, the soul day. of Joe Smith and all the faithful departed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. But uh, it was it was funny. The next week I went to mass at St. Brendan's where I'm doing Field Dead, and they started mass by saying, please keep in pr- in prayer this person who died, who asked us to keep them in prayer at this Mass, and they didn't say it during the Prayer of the Faithful. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, let's see what happens when you pay attention. You know? and, the, and when the, the pastor's older brother is your auxiliary <laughs> bishop, who's <laughs> also right. a liturgist. <laughs> That's right, exactly. That'll, that'll, that'll whip you into shape. <laughs> yeah. But I think for me, you know, I had two, I had, one, I had two really good deacons in my parish growing up who taught me a lot. And who, and as an altar server, they really wanted to make sure the altar servers knew what they were doing. 
Mm-hmm. And so he walked all of us through this, and, and that was really a great formation for me. And so, like, when I became the director of campus ministry, we didn't have a liturgist necessarily on the staff, right? And things were, like, really wonky. Like, uh, like I noticed, like, the first week, even even when I was interviewing, like, they took me to Mass. I was like, oh, Mass is a little wonky. I don't know what's mm-hmm. going on. And the staff was really grateful that, like, I had that kind of knowledge because they were like, yeah, we just don't know, Mike. Mm-hmm. We just don't know how to do this. I was like, it's Mass. We've done it 35,000 times. And, like, mm-hmm. yes, you've done it 35,000 times and paid attention. Mm-hmm. We haven't. You know, we, we, we just kind of go through the mo- you know we just kind of go through it not even go through the motions we're looking at it differently yeah that's what someone said and i was like oh, that's interesting i wonder if that's true for most people is what i thought when i trained servers and my first assignment in st mary's in hudson i'd give them an exam mm-hmm. uh, it was a 50 question yeah. exam and they had yeah. to they had to pass it um, but the idea was that if you if you want to serve um you've got to put something into this and, and you have to know something. And that makes it more special for the servers. Like, wow, I'm part of something here. Um, It's funny. The biggest takeaway in our diocese from the Synod on Synodality was a desire for more adult faith formation. Mm -hmm. And what we're talking about here is that like, okay, we go to mass, but I I want to know more about it. I want to understand it more. I want to better appreciate what it is that I'm doing when I come to mass on Sunday. Yeah. And I think I think the three of us are all like very intellectually driven like that. I had um, and where I'm getting with this is I had someone ask me once they were like, which of the transcendentals, um, you know, are are you most attracted to? And I looked at that person and I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Truth, beauty or goodness? Truth, beauty uh, and goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Father. Um, and, and so they explained that to me and I was like, oh, and I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't actually know. Like I've never put much thought into this. Um, and so I discovered a couple weeks later after listening to some very like intellectual talks that like made everybody else fall asleep. And I was like, this is awesome. Give me more, um, (laughs) that it was truth, that truth is what kind of draws me in. Um, but for other people, it's beauty and other people, it's goodness. And so like, if you, if you yourself find yourself listening to this and you're like, wow, they're talking about all kinds of like very intellectual things. And like, that's how I have to learn more about the mass. You can be drawn more into mass by, by the beauty and the goodness of it too, because those are all ways that we encounter God. I do a lot of my evangelization through beauty because I do think that's probably the the most attractive and the most disarming for most folks. You know what I mean? If you're like, this is the truth, you come out. But for me, I do like when things make sense and I could follow arguments and, oh my gosh, that you just put something together for me that I hadn't put together for myself or I felt, but I didn't understand why I liked it. That that goes a long way with me. Yeah. And I think I probably, it's funny that we're all saying this. You just said truth, you just said beauty. I'll say goodness, which is the one that did attract me the most. But like for me, it's like, well, when... When people are so moved by the beauty at Mass that is that, that proclaims the truth of our tradition, are they propelled to go forth from this place to do good, to, yeah. to, to have goodness? And come uh, back to Mother yeah. Teresa yeah. with a woman who had experienced uh, dryness in her prayer, but the fruit of her prayer was the good the goodness that she brought to the world. So. Yeah. Mm. Did you just count number five? That's six. That's, oh, six. We're up to six now. <laughs> well, we've only got a couple more minutes. So. We'll see. But What's the over-under? Is it eight? Eight, I think, is the over-under. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. I'll take the over. Okay. Um, I'll take the under. Take that loss and <laughs> Got to protect your bet there. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think that's that, that was good, Emily. I think that the tra- using the transcendentals to think about this is probably a good way to go. Um, 
And then we often find our place at Mass in a church. <laughs> Almost always, Almost right? always, unless you're on retreat somewhere. Yeah, unless you're on retreat or, or on vacations. Yeah. Right. Outdoor Mass somewhere Outdoor Mass, that's what I was again. thinking. Yeah, Central Park with Pope John Paul II. I can remember that well. <sighs> or Poland to Pope Francis. Emily's getting ready so to go to World jealous. Youth Day. I yeah. am. I, I do am hotel. Getting... Oh, sorry. I am. Yeah, I'm really excited. Middle school Emily watched World Youth Day in Spain Mm. Um, on EWTM with her grandparents in their living room and thought to herself, I'm never going to get to go to World Youth Day. Aww. So, no. Are you speaking middle school of Emily, in third person now? I am middle speaking of myself in the third person. So, middle school mm. Emily, you made it. Yes, there you <laughs> go. You're going to Portugal. Heading to Portugal. So, if you, if, by the way, if you want to go to World Youth Day, uh, you can check out our World Youth Day section on the website, and you can send me an email. I can send you some more information. We're going to go with Franciscan Spirit Tours. We're also going to be walking the Portuguese Camino before World Youth Day. So we'll walk the Portuguese Camino, which is about 100 kilometers, and then we'll uh, head over to be with the Holy Father right after that. I can't um, think of an experience that gives you a better sense of the, the, the universality yeah. of the Catholic Church than World Youth Day. Yeah. I remember being in Toronto and looking around and saying, wow, it's a beautiful summer day. There are all these young people from all these different countries who are from all different kinds of cultures and everything else. I said, and they're here because they're Catholic and they're here because the Holy Father's here. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, this is, this is a good idea. (laughs) It's like, it was my first thought. But, uh, an interesting church search this week. So Catholic creatives, yes. a group of folks, a group of artists, basically. Beauty. Are, beauty, there you go, uh, who are here in the diocese. They, uh, we, we've asked them to think about the Eucharistic revival, so they invited me to one of their meetings. I said, so where, where are you meeting on this date that we're meeting? And they said, uh, oh, yeah, I'll be over at St. Anne's. Now, ordinarily, I would make the translation that the church known as St. Anne's is now – it's a parish that's communion of saints. Right. So you can talk about the difference between that in a second. But most people, I, I didn't make the translation. I was like, where the heck is St. Anne's? I thought I knew all these ch- churches mm-hmm. at this point. I've been here for two years. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> now I know. Yeah, St. Anne's is the church on the in Cleveland Heights. <coughs> seven? Seven. Uh, in Cleveland Heights on the corner of Coventry and Cedar Road. You can't miss it. It's big. It's beautiful. It's got a very high tower, and if you ever get a chance to climb up there, you get a panoramic view of the city. And if you go inside, you may say, gee, this feels like an old bank. Mm. And the reason it feels like an old bank is because it's composed of parts of an old bank. So during the Depression, um, one of the banks closed in New York City, and Monsignor Powers, the former pastor, uh, gathered up some of the goods, had them brought out to Cleveland on a train, and then built this church. And we could do a whole show on Monsignor Powers and St. Anne Church. So St. Anne Church is still St. Anne Church, although it's part of uh, the parish is now Communion of Saints because there was a St. Louis in there. There were a couple other saints that all had saint names. And Bishop Lennon's idea was, well, we'll just call it Communion of Saints because all these saint parishes came together to form a new parish called Communion of Saints. But because the church was dedicated St. Anne's, it remains St. Anne's. And Deacon Dom Gideon, a former student of mine, um, who, God willing, will be ordained a priest this year, is very active in Catholic creatives and went to St. Anne's grade school. So he's a little stubborn and still calls it St. Anne's. That's the story. <laughs> he's not the only one. There are a bunch of people who are oh, like, okay. it's St. Anne's. Yeah, right. Yeah. There's another a cool thing about St. Anne's. <laughs> Whoa, I just coughed Ooh, once, one. too. Look what Emily did to me. Uh-oh. So from the... From the the street, the church looks like the school looks like it has two floors. Yes, but it actually has three, 
and it's an architectural trick to beat the city code, which was a Monsignor <laughs> Powers thing to do. Um, yeah, we'll do a whole show on that church sometime. It's, cool. it's fun. All right. So uh, that's uh, Communion of Saints Parish and St. Anne's Church for Church Church. We'll put that in the show notes. And our gospel this week, Zacchaeus. Oh, yeah, I like in. him because he's he's a, a man of shorter stature. Sh- short in stature, yes. <laughs> he had to climb the tree to get to see Jesus, so we'll see him. It was interesting. You know, I was just with the, our RCIA candidates at St. Brendan's, and uh, they were talking about uh, this gospel. And one of the guys pointed out where it said um, – Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And he said, only half? <laughs> it's it's Je- way more than a tithe. He goes, he goes, doesn't Jesus usually say, give it all to the poor? I said, yes, but Jesus didn't say that. Zacchaeus said mm-hmm. that. And he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, like, he goes like, but that's a really good insight. I had never noticed that before. Mm-hmm. So I was like, good job. Yeah. What's your yeah. favorite part? Um, that the Lord wanted to stay at his house. Yeah. I think that's how the Lord sees us. He wants to stay in our house. He wants to be in our lives, you know? I think that's fun. How about you, Emily? Yeah. Uh when I saw when I when I saw the printout um and saw that this was the gospel for this Sunday, I was like the first thing I thought of was how much we talked about this when I was in the second grade mm. preparing for first reconciliation. And if I remember correctly, I think, you know, they they did like a little mini liturgy of the word before we all went for our first confessions when we made our first confessions. And I, I very vaguely remember them reading this gospel. Um, it's just a really great story of forgiveness and how the Lord like draws all of us to conversion. Um, and like you said, he stays, stays at Zacchaeus's house. And so then the Lord comes to dwell with us. Second grade Emily liked it and archivist Emily likes it too. There what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> well, Archivist Emily, thanks for joining us again this week. My pleasure. Thanks for having me back. If you had seven in the pool, you're the winner, and Father mm-hmm. Damien wins on the on the overs on the under over. So mm-hmm. he took the under, I took the over, and so I'm stalling here trying to go to cloth one more time to break even, but it won't happen. <laughs> oh, there it is! There it is! Now we pulled, can take it home. I pulled it out. So there you go, right on the nose with eight on the Emily cough, and we'll have that, and hopefully not that. <laughs> And a whole bunch more next time here on Question of Faith. And we'll disinfect the microphones. (laughs) 